Welcome to A Shower of Roses. I'm Jenna, your host. On this podcast, we read together the readings for the upcoming Sunday Mass in the Roman Catholic Church, so that when you walk into Mass on Sunday, you feel enlightened and empowered with the knowledge of the Gospel that you need to have a meaningful and personal experience with Christ every week. I'm Catholic, but you certainly don't have to be to listen to this podcast. The Gospel is for anyone, anywhere, at any state of life. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so happy that you're joining us this week. It's really such a blessing to be able to share the gospel with you uh, for this 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. We're coming to the end, friends. Year C is coming to a close. And before we know it, Advent will be starting. It's crazy. Uh, Before we get into the readings for the week, I want to give a shout out to Praise and Glory, who left us a fabulous review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for that. If any of you ever feel so moved, you can always feel free to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Um, That really helps us get this word of the gospel out to as many people as possible, which is, that's really all I care about. You know, none of that matters to me, but you know, if you have high ratings, then um, iTunes will suggest this podcast to more people, which um, is hopefully going to help people have a fuller Uh, better, more meaningful experience at Mass every week, which is really all that matters to me. So thank you so much for that review. I really appreciate it. And you guys can always feel free to do that. Just share this podcast with a friend. It's always super helpful. Okay, enough of that. So let's dive into the readings for this week. Again, the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time. The first reading this week is from the second book of Maccabees, chapter 7, verses 1 to 2, and verses 9 to 14. It happened that seven brothers with their mother were arrested and tortured with whips and scourging by the king to force them to eat pork in violation of God's law. One of the brothers speaking for the other said, What do you expect to achieve by questioning us? We are ready to die rather than transgress the laws of our ancestors. At the point of death, he said, You accursed fiend, you are depriving us of this present life. But the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. It is for his laws that we are dying. After him, the third suffered their cruel sport. He put out his tongue at once when told to do so, and bravely held out his hands as he spoke these noble words. It was from heaven that I received these. For the sake of his laws, I disdain them. From him, I hope to receive them again. Even the king and his attendants marveled at the young man's courage, because he regarded his sufferings as nothing. After he had died, they tortured and maltreated the fourth brother in the same way. When he was near death, he said, It was my choice to die at the hands of men, with the hope God gives of being raised up by him. But for you, there will be no resurrection to life. So this this reading is really amazing, and I feel like I've never heard it before, especially, I mean, I've obviously heard it before at Mass, but I just, it doesn't sound familiar to me at all, and I love it. And I feel like we don't hear from the second book of Maccabees a lot at Sunday Mass especially. Um, what sticks out to me after reading this is, is that um, 
anti-Semitism, like hatred of Jews, just for, uh, just because they are Jewish. Uh, that's the first thing that struck me in this passage is that, like, this is clearly such an anti-Semitic king who is killing these people for no other reason than the fact that they are Jewish. And and not only are, is he killing them, but he's totally misusing and twisting and and totally dishonoring and and just making a, a, a joke out of the precious holy laws that have been given to them by God, just like a total violation of, of the gift that, that, of the law that God has given them. And it's just so upsetting to read that. Um, so like being forced to eat pork, can you, like what, it's not even, the, the horrible thing about it is it's, that it's not, you know, it's not just physical torture, which they're going through. It's, it's spiritual torture. This is like spiritual warfare at its finest, that this king would use the the beautiful Jewish faith against these people and make them, force them to do something just for sport, just for show, to eat pork, which is a total violation of, you know, if you were, um, you know, a devout Jew in this time, um, you know, pork is not part of your diet. So to force them to do that, I mean, if there's any like vegetarians or listening or people that, you know, are allergic to a certain food, imagine being forced to eat that and then people like laughing at you and, and just making like a total mockery of you while you're doing it. It's just disgusting. So there are these four brothers and, and I, this reading is so cool because each of the four brothers is obviously martyred, right? Dies for their faith. Um, but each of them handles it in, in, in totally his own way, right? Um, so the, the first brother says, um, I love this line, you are depriving us of this present life. You know, this guy's probably young, maybe his teens or 20s, and he's saying to the king, you're, you're depriving me of, of an adulthood, of a life, of a, you know, of a future wife and kids and, and growing old. You are depriving me of a full life. But I'm okay with it because I know that I'm going to live forever. Um, I'm going to live forever with God in heaven. It is for God's law that we are dying. Just like this bold faith that's so amazing. Um, and then again, the next one, um, you know, it is from heaven. You know, he holds out his hands and said, it's from heaven that I received these. Um, and I hope to receive them again. And it's that, that, and it says the king and his attendants marveled at the young man's courage because he regarded his suffering as nothing. Like the, the boldness and the bravery of these men really makes the king and his attendants stop in their tracks and, and they pay attention to the fact that these guys are really, nothing's gonna, nothing is gonna make them give in. They're not going to succumb to this and they really are willing to die for their faith. So then the last brother is tortured um, in the same way. And he makes it clear. He says, it was my choice to die at the hands of men. Um, because again, he has this belief that he will be raised up to life again. Um, I think it's really rare. I don't think we hear a lot of stories, in, especially in the Old Testament, about martyrs. You know, we hear about it um, a little bit in Acts. And we know about, you know, the apostles being martyred from church history. But I think it's really rare that we read about a martyr in scripture. 
and so I'm just, I, yeah, I, I got a lot out of this reading. Um, you know, I, and I hope you can take away that number one, that, that theme of how anti-Semitism is, was just as alive in the Old Testament as it was today, as it is today. And number two, that, that, uh, that God is calling us to, to be bold for our faith and to, and to stand up and to not succumb to pressures like this, that these, that these men have suffered. Now we're going to read the second reading, which is uh, the second letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 16 through chapter 3, verse 5. Brothers and sisters, may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting encouragement and good hope through his grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us so that the word of the Lord may speed forward and be glorified as it did among you, and that we may be delivered from perverse and wicked people, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. We are confident of you in the Lord, that what we instruct you, you are doing and will continue to do. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the endurance of Christ. So Paul in this reading gives such a nice compliment to the Thessalonians, and he says the word of the Lord's um, uh, was uh, was speedy and was glorified among them. So clearly Paul had a lot of success evangelizing in Thessalonia, and is writing back to this you know this congregation of Christians, and he gives them that really lovely compliment that like the word of God just pierced that that nation that region and, um, and moved. It said it moved speedily forward. I just think that's a really cool image that I don't, I haven't really heard before. What I love is Paul, the way that Paul encourages, you know, you see the word encouragement several times, um, in this reading and he's just encouraging them to be strong, be strong against the devil, be strong against those that don't have faith. Um, I love that Paul acknowledges the devil and he, he just calls him out. He says, um, that he will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. So even, you know, the first Christians, even Paul knew that Satan and, you know, his minions were real and that we need that, you know, that protection and that, that guarding from God, um, in order to stand up against him and the way that he is working in the world. You guys know that he is not, the devil is not going to rest, but guess what? Neither is God. So, haha. Um, yeah, just like a really beautiful reading about persevering in the faith and, and, and leaning on that, that grace of God to get us through those difficult situations and through those times where we don't want to persevere. We just want to give up. We want to give in, um, have that encouragement that Paul's talking about in this passage. The gospel this week is from Luke chapter 20, verses 27 to 38. Some Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection came forward and put this question to Jesus, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us, If someone's brother dies, leaving a wife but no child, 
his brother must take the wife and raise up descendants for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first married a woman, but died childless. Then the second and the third married her, and likewise all the seven died childless. Finally the woman also died. Now at the resurrection, whose wife will that woman be? For all seven had been married to her. Jesus said to them, The children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like angels, and they are the children of God, because they are the ones who will rise. That the dead will rise, even Moses made known in the passage about the bush, when he called out, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he is not God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. Oh my gosh, this passage is so good. Okay, so first of all, who are Sadducees? Sadducees are Jewish aristocrats who um, kind of acted as like liaisons between uh, the Jewish people and the Roman Empire. They were very wealthy and high up in society. The weird thing about the Sadducees is that they only accepted, this is according to um, the footnotes of Matthew chapter 3, um, it says that they only accepted the Pentateuch, so the first five books of, you know, Jewish scripture or what we call the Old Testament. That was all they accepted as, as canon, as scripture, and as law. So they reject any law not found in those first five books of uh, the Tanakh, you know, Jewish scripture, or what we call the Old Testament. So they have a problem with this concept of resurrection. So what they're going to try to do, which people try to do in the Gospels all the time, is pose this really tricky question to Jesus to kind of stump him, see if they can stump him, and then kind of prove that they're right and that they're better and that they're smarter. Jesus, as always, is going to um, prove that he is the smarter one. And he always does this by giving a totally unexpected answer. Like usually, you know, this is kind of a yes or no question. Um, and that's always the type of question that people try to pose to Jesus. And he always answers it with a neither, but, um, and so we're going to see that in this passage. I just love like how clever Jesus is. So, so here's the riddle that they pose to Jesus. Um, this is a hypothetical situation that, um, a man and a woman are married, but they have no children and the husband dies. According to the law of Moses, according to Jewish law, it's now the responsibility of the husband's brother to marry the wife and to bear children for her to, um, and the reason for this is so that you can, you know, carry on, um, the male's legacy and the male's, you know, family name and family legacy. And so that becomes the responsibility of the brother that would have been, you know, the wife's brother-in-law to marry her and, and, you know, to have children to carry out the family lineage. So, um, there's this woman and there's seven brothers and she marries one brother and then he dies and then she marries the next brother and then he dies and it goes through the whole list. She marries all seven of these guys, um, and she never has any children. So all of them die and then she dies. And the riddle is who, according to you, Jesus, you know, the resurrection, which they don't believe in, who would this marry, or, or who would this woman be married to in this quote unquote resurrection that you speak of? 
And so <laughs> Jesus takes on the challenge as always. And, um, and he says, uh, this is really interesting. Uh, those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and to the resurrection, to the resurrection of the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. So this answer is totally something they were not expecting. He says, yes, the resurrection is a thing. If you are found worthy of the resurrection of the dead, aka, you know, eternal life forever, uh, you are neither going to marry nor be given in marriage. So like the woman is given by her father to the husband. That's like a big shock for people. And this, I think, is a big teaching of Jesus that most people don't know. Or if they if they do read this passage, they're totally shocked that there really is, there's no marriage in heaven, the way that we understand it and know it here on earth. And then Jesus explains why that is. He, he says, you know, once you've died in resurrection, resurrected, you are never going to die again. You're going to be as close to an angel as possible because you are a child of God. And so, you know, when you take a, a marriage vow, you say, um, you know, I promise to love you and be faithful to you until death do us part. You're never going to part in death again because you've already, you know, humans don't die twice. You die once and then, you know, God willing at the end of times, you know, when everyone, uh, you know, when Jesus comes back and, and raises the dead and we're all united again, um, there's going to be no need for marriage because think about what the purpose, you know, of marriage is, um, Number, I mean, it's, it's threefold. Number one, you know, the, the, the closeness and the, the union that a husband and wife share. Number two, companionships, companionship, partnership, right? And number three is, you know, the openness to the gift of, of children. None of those three things are necessary in heaven and in the afterlife because we're already going to have the fullness of those things, right? So the closeness, um, everyone in heaven is going to be it's close. <laughs> We're all going to be, um, brothers and sisters, you know, in, in heaven and, and with God. And, and I, you can't be any more close to someone than you will be in heaven. In fact, the union of a husband and wife is a foreshadowing is, is a small taste of what the union of the communion of saints is going to be like and that union that we're going to have with God in heaven. So, you know, marriage here on earth is like a, a millifraction of the union that we are going to experience with each other and with God in heaven. So that's the first thing. Number two, companionship, kind of the same thing. You're never going to be lonely in heaven because you are seeing God face to face and just basking in that awesomeness and that love. So you're never going to be lonely. Number three, there's no need for reproduction in heaven because heaven's just going to be overflowing with, with children because we are all children. We're all children of God. So heaven's going to be full of children because we are all going to be there and we're all children of God. So the three reasons that we have marriage on this earth become obsolete in the resurrection and in the afterlife. So, um, I hope that makes sense as to why Jesus says, you know, he kind of drops this atomic bomb here by saying, you know, there's no marriage in heaven, but I think it makes sense when you think about it. You know, if we're not going to die ever again and we're seeing God face to face, um, and we're all united together in the communion of saints, then that's really all we need. That's all we need. And, and we are, you know, if you are married here on this earth, you know, your job is to get your spouse to heaven. You know, St. John Chrysostom has this really beautiful quote where he says, um, 
A husband should say to his wife, I love you and honor you. And my goal is to spend this life in such a way that we are assured that we won't be separated in the next life. So this life is super important. If you're a married person, it's your job to get your spouse to heaven and to make sure, you know, that when you do die and when this, re this final resurrection comes, you better make sure that you know where both of you are going and that, and that you're sure that you're going to see each other there. You've got to be living um, in that, you know, in that type of way. And if you're not sure, then I recommend confession. Confession's where, where mercy begins and where, where it's the gateway to heaven, I really think. Confession, the sacrament of reconciliation, is the gateway to heaven. There's no other way. It's got to be through the confessional and and God's grace there and God's mercy is just so real and so amazing. So, so yeah, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. And it would be awesome if you could give us a good rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. Those ratings help us get this message of the gospel out to as many people as possible. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at A Shower of Roses and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash A Shower of Roses podcast. You can also check out a showerofrosespodcast.com for more information about the show or to send us an email or feedback. We'll see you back here next Wednesday. God bless you and have a great week. Carry your word as you can.